of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am the Chancellor. Dilly Dilly. Pastor Marcus Zill. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Dilly Dilly. Dilly Dilly. Hi. We are joined here today in the Student Union with Pastor Mike Burdick calling in from Macomb, Illinois. Where exactly is Macomb, Illinois and Western Illinois University where you're serving? Way over by the Mississippi River. We're about uh, 35 miles from the Mississippi River. Oh. It is uh, um, Forgot Tony. It's a it's a uh, underfunded area of Illinois. It's not Chicago. We're about four hours from there and three hours north of St. Louis in a largely rural area. Our church is only 60 years old and our student center 50. So it's a, wow. it's a pretty short history. So it is a manual Lutheran church and student center. And it's, I, I take it it's two buildings, one name. Tell us about that a little bit. How does this setup work? Yeah, exactly that. So on a Sunday morning, our 8.30 service is at our church on the eastern edge of town, uh, founded in the 1950s. And then uh, our 11 o'clock service on a Sunday morning is at the student center, uh, real close to the campus. The district built the student center in the 1960s, started in 68, finished it in 69, um, because the campus, like a lot of others, was booming. It, it grew from 2,600 students in 1960 to 11,000 students, I think, in 1969. So it was just was the, you know, incredible growth in those years, and the district knew this was a place to be to meet the next generation and, uh, and and train up the church. Now, but you now the the name is it is it Emmanuel? Are they both called Emmanuel Lutheran Church and Student Center? Or is one the Student Center, one's Emmanuel Lutheran Church? It originally was the Lutheran Student Center, and on the other side of town, Emmanuel Lutheran Church. But blessedly, in ninety nine uh, or two thousand, I think it was. Okay. Yeah, the year two thousand, we brought the name Emmanuel onto both buildings with mm. both the congregation's blessing and the districts, and it's really been good to uh, to show that it's one ministry with with uh, two buildings. Well, that is excellent. I bet the students don't mind it either. Um, I think it's true. Yeah. I I remember when I was a pastor out at the University of Wyoming and. They had uh, lots of times, I think what they did back in the day is that they were building a campus ministry facility. They hadn't called it anything yet, and they just called it Lutheran Student Center. Mm-hmm. And uh, But then eventually they started calling it St. Andrew's Chapel, Then the, and this was just one building. And then I, when I got there, I found it called about 25 different ways. And we actually, <laughs> and we finally said, okay, let's, let's settle in on whatever this really is. And some people were at, oh, we want it to be the Lutheran Student Center. Some people just wanted it to be St. Andrew's Lutheran Chapel. Some people wanted it to be church. I mean, St. Andrew's Lutheran Church and Student Center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line, 
is that they ended up settling on St. Andrew's Lutheran Church and Student Center, and they ditched the name Chapel, not because there's anything wrong with Chapel, but the students really hung on to the name Church. Good. And it was because they, you know, a chapel is something slightly less than the church. It's kind of like within the church. It's a part of the Mm -hmm. church, but the church is the church. And for whatever it's worth, I think young people today, they want to be a part of the church. Sometimes we're the ones that segregate them out into these various age groups. And of course, they love having things to do with one another um, that are their age, but that's not at the expense of simply being church. So I bet that's had a real unifying factor, um, even though it's just nomenclature, but I bet that still has had an impact on, on, on both groups of people. It has, exactly, on both groups of people. The, the congregation, you know, the townspeople, are more invested in the, the mission field and the mission partners that students are, and students know that they're a part of a church family here, and they, they get to know older people. They see baptisms, and they're a part of funerals, and uh, that is good intergenerational ministry. Absolutely. So... Invited you on today to talk at the beginning of a new semester. Everything's going well there at uh, Western well, Illinois University. It, it's been a good start. Uh, it's been a very good start. We're blessed in this, that while the budgetary mess that is Illinois has affected almost every campus ministry and, and every university in terms of lowering uh, enrollment, and, and ours, our enrollment at our university has gone down, Thankfully, the activity in our campus ministry has stayed steady, even grown a little bit, and uh, it's been a good start to the year. Yeah, students have only been back one Sunday, but we've been back for a couple of Bible studies and meetings and uh, a little life march yesterday, and uh, so we've been able to to, to kick off the year uh, well thus far. And speaking of those students and a couple of Bible studies, your topic this semester for your Bible study, the students wanted to study what? Proverbs. And I can't remember in the 20 years that I've been here if we have had a Proverbs Bible study. We did uh, Galatians for most of last semester. Uh, When we were in Series A, we did all of Matthew. Uh, That took a little bit more than a year. But uh, (laughs) they wanted to, yeah, not surprising. And then Proverbs now. And uh, it's been a great start with that. What was it about? What's the appeal of. uh them desiring to study Proverbs? I'm not certain, but I know this. You know, when the Gideons come and they distribute Bibles on campus, uh, both to believers and non-believers, students get a Bible that has the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs. So uh, students know Proverbs, but probably not much through the pericopes. You know, we don't get much of Proverbs, except for what, on Trinity Sunday and a couple other small uh, places. So it, part of it might be unfamiliarity. Most of it is probably the interest comes from Proverbs is such a, uh, for lack of a better term, practical book. You know, these pithy little sayings, they're not little, they're weighty and they're true. And uh, um, so they, they perked up pretty quickly when I, when I floated that idea last semester. And uh, um, we're going to wade through the book of Proverbs, maybe not – Maybe not every week will be by the end of the semester. Maybe we'll uh, either uh, leave the rest of the book for them to study it uh, on their own. But uh, we're at least going to do quite a few weeks in the book. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit of background about the book, uh, who wrote it, um, some of those types of things. Give us some of the basics here. Well, as much as I know, um, 
certainly no scholar, but I've been uh, blessed with commentaries and my the Lutheran Study Bible and all, and uh, uh, largely written by Solomon, but not all by him. Uh, some of it recorded by Hezekiah's men um, 150 years roughly after uh, Solomon, uh, written also by Lemuel and Agur and uh, uh, some other wise writers of the day that are unnamed, um, you know, 10th, 9th, 10th century uh, B.C., and uh, just full of truth, but not necessarily of promises. And I think that that's one of the things that our students are seeing just in these first two weeks is that there are statements made in the book of Proverbs that if you take them as promises, a person can be misreading it, such as if it says that uh, you train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. If you take that as a promise that your children will never leave the church if they've been brought up in the church, I think a person's misreading that because people do wander and college years are particularly years for, for, for wandering. But there's, of course, general truth in that. Of course, you train up a child in the way he should go. And that is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And it's a general truth, not a promise. Understand that distinction between the two? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, of course, if you don't make those distinctions, people immediately go, oh, wait a minute. You know, my my brother hasn't been to church in five years. Or we we all know people that have wandered away from the faith, even though they were Mm -hmm. brought up and confirmed and they're baptized children of God and and what happened to them. So there, there must be another way of looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. These generalities are absolutely true, but don't take them as a formula that necessarily brings up uh, the, the, the result that you want. Although it is a tremendous comfort, especially for if we have parents out there who are thinking, well, I'm listening to this radio program and, and my kid's not going to church and I don't know what they're doing on going on with their faith. That mm-hmm. uh, I've always found comfort in that, that, you know, if you do the things that you should be given to do in terms of raising your children and, you know, we're all sinful human flesh. Uh, I've made a mistake or 20,000 in my life with raising my own kids. And uh, but in reality, in terms of training them up in the way they should go in terms of their faith, even though there might be those moments where they wonder or we wonder about their wondering, uh, there's tremendous comfort to know that uh, that ultimately it was never dependent upon me anyways, but was always dependent upon God and God will see it through to the end and and keep drawing them back to himself. Exactly, exactly. And so the book has been marvelously uh, practical to read, and it's not the only thing we read. That's probably the other uh, main point we've been uh, getting at is that you you read these Proverbs, drink them in, learn from them, and this isn't the only book of the Bible that we have. Uh, you, there are even non-believers who love the book of Proverbs because it rings true to them and it rings practical, um, but the Christian understands that the real the real wisdom of God the, the essential wisdom of God is, of course, Christ, who is all the wisdom uh, that's in the book of Proverbs and the whole of, of the New Testament and the, and the Old Testament. And so uh, this isn't the only book that our students should read uh, this, uh, this semester. So in terms of this, this idea of wisdom, that's really kind of the central theme of Proverbs, if I recall the, the 
one of the somewhere in the first chapter, one of the proverbs: "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. Fools despise wisdom and instruction." It seems to me. I mean, what is the whole the whole background of of wisdom from 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 the book of Proverbs? So, who is wisdom a what or a who or both? Thank you. Yes, and that it's it is both, and that essentially it is Christ, but. It's life orientated to God's will. It's it's the commandments and it's the Torah. It's the gospel. Um, so it's it's all of that. Um, but I think I've been shortly uh, trying to define it. It's it's life lived with God and His gifts orientating you um, and, and driving uh, your life, both in law and in gospel. I, we have been emphasizing. You read the book of Proverbs you're going to read a lot of law. You're going to see your sin. And that's good, and that's right. And we're not only going to see our sin. We're going to see the answer to our sin uh, in Proverbs, but also in, in other books. But uh, it is life orientated to Christ uh, and all of his gifts. You know what's fascinating to me about the book of Proverbs? Um, I almost wonder if it's, is it kind of hard to, are they meant to be to be studied or is it more of a of one of these you know we have the psalms which mm -hmm. as a separate kind of literature itself was really kind of like a collective of a collection of 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 hymns and and singing it's almost meant to be sung it's almost meant to be recited back and forth that's why we have all the antiphonal singing and such and responses in our church is it the Proverbs strike me as something that they, you know, you mentioned the idea of drinking, drinking them. You almost kind of, kind of have to hear it. And it's, I mean, each one of them is different. It's not like you have, maybe that's why it doesn't show up as much in our pericopes in the lectionary, because, because <clears throat> how do you take 10 or 12 of them, 10 or 12 verses you've got, I mean, they almost are meant to just kind of be Let's let's sit and, and hear and speak this proverb and just kind of let it sink in for a little bit. Do you know what I'm saying? I do, and I, I think it's, that's it's different than reading like the book of Matthew, where like, okay, what's going on here? What's the background? What's the context? I mean, there's so many. It's such a multifaceted thing to just hear this this pithy um, statement um, and often repeated in a second way. Uh, you almost need to just let it kind of sink in. You do. Yeah. You said, is it something to be studied? Absolutely. But it's 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 not the only thing to study. But yeah. And you, you don't read it like a narrative. It's poetry. Right. Um, I have a tendency that I think is not good. And that is to go to the book of Proverbs and read the, the ones I've underlined over the years um, sure. and just kind of jump around. And that's not necessarily good. I think that they should be read chapters at a time realizing that you are going to hit dozens, if not more, topics uh, in those chapters. And that's okay. You're going to have groupings where it, it talks about family life. It talks about, uh, they talk about uh, speech and, uh, and listening and business and learning from nature and all those categories come up. But you're certainly going to uh, jump around as you walk through them but study them, I think absolutely. Just don't make it the only thing. No, and I, I wasn't trying to suggest that we don't study them. It's just it's a different 
it's a different type of literature. I, I almost imagine reading through it and just like pausing for 20 seconds more than I would after a verse of reading, say, in Romans. Exactly. Uh, just, just to kind of let it, to kind of, you almost need a, uh, a little time to reflect and meditate on it uh, before moving on uh, to the next one. But I, I would guess that that's part of what's appealing, you know, to students. When I think about this idea of wisdom, um, you know, one of the reasons why, um, at least historically, young people would go off to college is is to learn. And I'm always talking about the joy of, we need to rediscover the joy of of learning knowledge and wisdom and just growing in our understanding of how things work. Um, you know, and getting back to Proverbs 1, fools despise wisdom and instruction, but yet are those, you know, we all, we all lament uh, sometimes how, uh, how often difficult it can be to be on a college campus and a lot of the indoctrination and the progressive thinking that, that really kind of takes center stage. Um, we're not just talking about wisdom and instruction in general. In fact, uh, Proverbs exist. We're not the only ones as Christians that have a book about Proverbs that have Proverbs. It's kind of a, a common thing. You can find Proverbs all over the place. Uh, Native American culture, have they, everybody's got Proverbs for things. Right. But that to me, it really gets down to the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that we yes. have to seek first the things of his kingdom uh, in terms of giving us a framework for the rest of the knowledge and wisdom that we might gain from the world. Right, exactly. So um, realizing that even when other religions, uh, faiths, might be, people might call them, have proverbs, um, if they're true, they've been gained by a godly wisdom in a way in that you observe nature and right. you're looking at you're looking at God's handiwork and learning things from it. But uh, um, exactly what you said, that Proverbs 9.10 or chapter 1, when it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, let's put in the word real, uh, wisdom, um, mm -hmm. there it is. There's the foundation of uh, really being orientated toward God. A godly fear that is not just, not only respect, but it is that. It's also fear, love, and trust, but uh, it, it's not devoid of that word fear uh, of a total acknowledgement of who God is, his power, his uh, uh, presence, and uh, his knowledge of you, um, all of that's combined into fear of the Lord. I've often wondered as well, um, Mike, that uh, we live in an age where, where everything, I mean, there's so much clutter, and <laughs> there's so much verbiage, and as pastors, we're usually people usually think we like to talk a lot. <laughs> and when you where hear, do they get that? You know, it, when you hear things that are said succinctly and concisely, yeah. I wonder if part of the appeal of proverbs is that they're short, quick—I dare say, tweet-like—nuggets <laughs> of wisdom that you can really. I mean, it's very hard to say some things concisely but i think that's part of the attraction too is is that instead of having all this verbiage that we hear clutter all over the place we're always having our earbuds in listening to things clutter all the time we're not good at silence but just to be able to have things that are short and concise i think would be a, a real a real I, I think it's i think there's something to that in terms of uh, the desire for young people to want to uh, to hear this specific wisdom Right. And particularly for maturing Christians in that mm -hmm. uh, 
the, the core group of students who are active in our, our, our campus ministry are uh, longtime Christians growing in the faith and, and growing in their faith. And, and uh, um, none of them would say that they have law and gospel down pat, and they fully understand that. Uh, I do think that they can uh, rightly articulate what the gospel is. They know that that's their hope. And they have a, um, a desire to grow in sanctification, which is including growing in wisdom, uh, orientating toward God. And, and uh, Proverbs can help them grow in sanctification. It will show them their sin and uh, um, bring them to absolution and then also uh, um, spark them to grow up and mature, even as 18 to 24-year-olds, uh, um, by uh, interacting with the Scriptures. And like you say, sometimes sitting with it and just reflecting on the truth that God's just said. You know, what an awesome thing that God gave us, His Word, in a variety of, of kind of uh, linguistic styles. You know, we got yeah. Psalms, we've got... Uh, We've got the gospel accounts. We have epistles, which are are very very doctrinal and teaching oriented. We've got proverbs too. And uh, yeah. can you maybe uh, maybe before we just got a couple minutes here left, maybe is you have a kind of a chunk of uh, proverbs or a certain kind of collection of passages that you'd like to kind of walk us through that to kind of take us off the air here? Well, some, um, and and I'm doing that thing that I mentioned. That I'll be going to a couple that. I've had underlined. Um, oh, well, that's but, great. <laughs> but but not but not only that, you know. That um, here here are a couple that will ring familiar and certainly will ring true to some people um, uh, from chapter 16. 16, 16 has the wisdom of saying, "How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding hmm. is to be chosen rather than silver." And how that contrasts with the reason a lot of us go to college, sure. we go to college to get silver and gold. And there's something right and good about that to provide for our family. But if that's our only focus, we're very deficient. So how much better to get wisdom than gold? And there's a difference between gold and wisdom, right? And uh, and wisdom isn't just soul, you know, book knowledge either. Right, exactly. In it fact, comes from experience. It comes from yeah. uh, being uh, tutored in the faith. It is. It is. So you go a little bit farther into chapter 16 and you get this in, uh, what is it, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That, is it just my wisdom? Is it just my goals uh, that, are, that are orientating my life? Uh, uh, Lord, I hope not. Well, and, what does uh, that say about our poll-driven culture? Well, 62% of everybody thinks that mm -hmm. this. Well, okay, they might all be wrong. Yeah, all right, hmm. right. Well, yeah. Let's do this, though. I'll go back and just read the first six verses okay. of the whole book. So when, when Solomon lays out why these have been recorded, why they've been given to us, and, and then after reading this, I'd, I'd like to jump ahead to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, which okay. is— the corollary is in it and the fulfillment of it. So this is the beginning of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, 
Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Let the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. A word that I think our college students never use these days, and I don't either very much, is prudence. Mm. But it, it, it becomes a, a very weighty and good word in the book of Proverbs, prudence, wise living. Mm. Uh, uh, but then, you know, the completion of all that is when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and Paul reminds this dear, fallen, imperfect congregation in Corinth that Christ is their wisdom, which sounds like a cliche, and yet is absolutely true. And what does Paul say? Uh, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hmm. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Christ is the wisdom of God. You know, his cross and empty tomb, and the book of Proverbs, and the intergeneral nature, uh, intergenerational nature of a campus ministry when you're learning from the young and the old, godly wisdom can grow there. And, and, and I think that's what our goal is this semester with our Wednesday night Bible study, uh, walking through Proverbs. Well, thank you, Pastor Burdick, for sharing that with us. We, uh, we encourage everybody to dig into the Proverbs and uh, God's blessings to your students um, as they do the rest of the semester. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. That's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Remember, college students, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>